Welcome to Season 2 of The Successful Strategist, a podcast on strategy, management, and governance dedicated to helping you address the most important questions any organization can ask. I'm Mitchell Muncy, a consultant who has co-founded or led five startups, for-profit and non-profit, spanning the media, public policy, and higher education. In these practical five-minute episodes, I cut through jargon and myth to offer you the same advice I give my clients. Good morning. This is the fifth in a series of episodes on the elements of a strategic plan. Last time, we discussed the need to understand the environment in which our organization is working. Otherwise, we won't question our assumptions about what will work and will focus narrowly on what we can control rather than on how to deal with what we cannot control. Questioning our assumptions is the most important part of strategy development, but it isn't the only important part. Today, we'll discuss the need for any strategic plan to evaluate alternative courses of action. There are two big temptations in drafting a strategic plan. The first is to rationalize the status quo. Strategic plans that do this are easy to spot. They typically don't acknowledge that the organization is facing any specific challenge, and they more or less propose to continue what the organization is already doing, just more of it, and somehow better. These plans don't consider the possibility that the organization could make different strategic choices. Most fail to state clearly what the organization's current choices are. Strategic plans that do acknowledge a specific problem tend to give in to a different temptation, settling on the first plausible solution that gets a consensus. This makes strategy a matter of what is intuitively appealing, or what seems to offer an easy escape from our problems, not what we have good reason to believe will work. This is why we should develop at least three alternatives. The introduction of the third alternative protects us against defaulting to the status quo or, on the other hand, simply reacting against it. The alternatives must be truly distinct, however, not just variations of one another. They should be mutually exclusive, impossible to undertake in any way at the same time. Moreover, none of them should be absurd on their face. If the organization isn't currently capable of adopting one of them, there should be a reasonable possibility that it could acquire the necessary capability. There's no reason the status quo can't be one of the alternatives. By making the choices underlying the status quo explicit, we may discover that the solution to our problem is indeed doing what we're doing, only better. Once we've developed our alternatives, we can ask what would have to be true for each to be a winning strategy, then conduct tests to discover whether and to what degree those conditions are true or we could make them true. This will allow a genuine comparison between the alternatives. Studies have shown that human judgment functions much better on a comparative scale than on an absolute scale. Is it really necessary to include all this in our strategic plan? Isn't the purpose of a plan simply to communicate the choices we've made? It is, but part of that communication is making clear which alternatives we considered and why we chose one over the others. 
Stakeholders who were not involved in drafting our plan need to understand our reasoning and be confident in our judgment. Otherwise, they can't or won't align their work with the plan. We wouldn't think of hiring the first superficially acceptable person who applied for a job. We shouldn't be any less rigorous in choosing a strategy for our whole organization. My suggestion for today is, take a serious problem your organization is confronting and sketch out at least three possible solutions. How would you test to see which is the most promising? When developing a strategic plan, one of the ways organizations avoid making difficult choices or provoking controversy is to be vague. Next time, we'll discuss the need to define key terms clearly. Most people learn about podcasts from friends and colleagues. If this episode was helpful, please take 30 seconds right now to recommend The Successful Strategist to one other person. And be sure you haven't missed any of the previous episodes. If you'd like to receive my twice-monthly newsletter, which includes show notes and a summary of important ideas about strategy, management, or governance, sign up at thesuccessfulstrategist.com. I'm glad we could invest this time together. Remember, being a successful strategist doesn't require specialized training or unique insight, just a commitment to asking the right questions. The Successful Strategist is a production of Prospera LLC, a consulting firm providing strategy development, nonprofit due diligence, crisis management, and interim executive management to mission-driven organizations and philanthropists. Learn more at ProsperaLLC.com. This is Mitchell Muncy. Talk to you next time.